Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I just pray, God, that today, Lord, I pray you speak to us and teach us and you show us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How's everybody doing? Merry Christmas. Y'all good? Everybody excited about Christmas? Hey, so we got our present early this year. We got brand new chairs for those of you who are happy with that. Everybody's fell asleep now, so we know why we had the uncomfortable chairs now. First, he told me this. He said, these are a great present for us. And he said, John, the other chairs were 30-minute chairs, and now I can preach as long as I want. If I can keep everybody awake, right, because you can fall asleep very easily in these. So, anyway, this was great, and we thank God for these chairs. We thank Community Church because they allowed God to be a conduit for them, and uh, they got brand-new chairs, and so we're glad that God has blessed them, and he, through that he's blessed us. And, um, and so just take some time and thank God for that and pray over these chairs because lives will be changed. They have been changed, right? Anybody went to Community Church and their life was changed in these chairs? They were. And, uh, and so we actually used these chairs for a while when we started the church, and here they are back. And so just, I don't know, take a moment and thank God for that. We don't want to take for granted what God has given us. Absolutely awesome. Uh, the other thing I want to say is in this Christmas season, i got two things I want to make sure you know about today, right after second service. So if you're planning on staying for just this service, that's fine. If you want to come back, you can. We're going to be wrapping those gifts back there for Edmark today. And, um, and whether you stay or not, would you please say a prayer for them? Edmark is uh, an organization that helps with hospice. And Lori Barbero, I don't think she's in the service. She is. Stand up, Lori. I just want to do that to you. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, and for those of you who didn't know, Lori works for Edmark, which is a, a organization that helps with hospice for children. I can't think of something that's worse on the planet than that. But they bring joy into the lives of families that are going through some of the worst possible moments that you can think of. And so one of the ways they brighten up is through toys, and they give them out, and Santa Claus comes and gives them toys. And some of these toys are going to go to the kids. Some of these kids' toys are going to go to the kids in the neighborhood that come. And, you know, it's not really great when you go, hey, Santa Claus just came for me. <laughs> and so they kind of pass it out, and the whole neighborhood gets to be involved. And so it's an absolute awesome opportunity for us to just help wrap them. And so if you want to do that, do that. If you've got wrapping paper, bring it in, and we'll do that after second service today. Um, second thing is this. Next Sunday we're having one service. And I know Vinny mentioned that earlier. I almost didn't want to say it because I'm like, some people would just be on time next week. <laughs> but we're having just one. You know who you are. I saw you. And, uh, in fact, they're not even here yet, so make sure you don't even tell them. They'll be on time next week for the second service. Okay. So one service next Sunday. This place is going to be packed out, so get here early. Bring a friend um, and make room for people. So if, if they need your seat, please let them feel welcome because next week is our kids' program. They have been practicing. It's going to be great. 
And um, and so so come next week, one service at 11 o'clock, then we're going to Autumn Care Nursing Home with the kids where they're going to bless Autumn Care with the same thing, and it's going to be absolutely awesome next week. So what time is the service next week? 11, there you go. What time are you going to be here? You can be here at 9.30, get some coffee with us, help us out, you know, help wrangle some kids, you know, keep them entertained. So it would be awesome. So make sure you know that. Merry Christmas. And today we're wrapping up a series called Seven Churches. And you might be going, well, what does that got to do with Christmas? And as you hear what we're going to talk about today, you might be going, I don't know that this is necessarily a gift, but it is. The, the last letter, these are letters from Jesus Christ. If you wanted a Christmas letter, you couldn't have asked for a better one than letters directly from Jesus to us in detail. And that's what we've been looking at. You go, hey, we can study the book of Revelation. How you were confused by the book of Revelation. So, I mean, if you read it, you're like, if you are confused, not something's wrong with you. I don't think you ever actually read it. You, you can tell me you understand it all, and I go, well, then you never really read that thing. But the first part of it, a lot of people have never focused on. And it is the most practical lessons for the church that there is. That Jesus, is, if he wrote a letter directly to us, because he did. He wrote them to seven churches, but it was as if Jesus said, hey, I'm looking at you, I know what's going on in your life, let me send you a message that's going to help you out. And, and sometimes in this series it's been uh, Jesus encouraging us, right? And sometimes it's been as if Jesus was like a coach and said, Tom, now you guys need to get in the game, right? <laughs> Some of this stuff's been pretty difficult. If you missed any of this, go online. Please don't miss out on what there is. NewBranch.tv is our YouTube site. You can watch it. We have CDs available. You can listen to it. Or we have NewBranch.net, our website. You can listen to it. And I recommend that you do. Not so you can hear me. So you can hear what Jesus has to say to the church, which is us. Not the organizational church. Us, the people of the church. And maybe you need that message. Or maybe you're not even a Christ follower and you go, why, why would I want to pay attention to this? Maybe you want to know what it means to be a Christ follower. And Jesus gives us a message, and today we're going to talk about the last one, which I believe could be possibly the most challenging, but I also think it could be the greatest gift that God has for us today. So we're going to put it up here on the screen, Revelation chapter 3, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, and, and we're going to talk about this verse. So it says this, to the angel of the, to the, angel of the church at Laodicea right. So I want to pause here. We're going to be talking about Laodicea. Some of you guys might know who they are. Some of you might not. You maybe say it different than I do, but i got a southern accent, so we call it Laodicea. I don't know. That's just how I say it. Okay. But we've been talking about an angel this entire series, and every week we've had a funny picture, and so I have a picture for an angel today. We'll go ahead and put it up. And you're going, that's not so funny, huh? Um, because my son sent me that, and so I didn't get anybody else to send me a funny one, so you didn't get a funny one today, and he sent me this one. Um, thank you, what? And, uh, and so, but he said, is it okay if I send you a picture that's not funny? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's not what we were going for, just funny. But we have been making fun of the angel. We said, hey, what does an angel look like here at New Brands? Because every one of these churches had an angel. And we've had funny ones. We picked on Frenchie twice on Debbie. So when you weren't here, we did show all the pictures for Frenchie. And, uh, and Frenchie being an angel as a kid, I don't quite get that one. I don't know if, he was, if there was the past that you don't want to talk about, but that's okay, whatever. And uh, we laughed, and it was funny. And some people were kind of like, hey, is it okay to poke fun of that? Is it okay? Does God have a sense of humor? Here's what I want to say to that. Because you look at a person next to you, and you tell me. <laughs> okay? Does he have a sense of humor or not, right? I mean, he made you, so I think he does, okay? He's laughing. I got you. I mean, he made a platypus. He's funny. Okay? I mean, he got, he, he's got funny down. But what I don't want to do is, is make light of who the angel is. And so I really took an opportunity here and go, hey, I'm all thrilled with what we did, and I thought it was funny. But I want to say there's significance when you see this to the angel at the church. Why? Because you know what it means? It signifies this. And I like what Wyatt said. He said, hey, this shit is the full armor of God in this angel. You know what it means? That God is taking care of you not only physically, but he's also taking care of you spiritually. And the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. And some people know what that's like, right? 
That the greatest battles you're fighting are not the physical ones. They're the ones inside your mind. They're the ones inside your spirit. And some people are tired and they don't know what to do. And for the first time, God said, you know what I got for you? I have an angel that's directly there to help you. And I believe we have one at New Branch. And so thank you for this picture. I think it's awesome. Just a side note, I think it was worthwhile, though. Okay. And every picture of an angel in the Bible, can I tell you, they were mighty warriors. And I'm hoping today that that helps me out with our angel that you don't beat me up too bad. Okay? <laughs> He's like, you've been poking fun at me. I don't think it's funny. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk about Laodicea. And here's who Laodicea is. If you don't know where Laodicea is, it's fine. It's in modern-day Turkey. And basically the reason why we're talking about it is kind of like, well, why are we talking about Turkey, uh, the country of Turkey? Is because the church had kind of moved after after Jesus had rose and, and, and ascended it back into heaven. He gave a prophecy that said, "Not one stone will be left unturned here. That the temple will be torn down, Jerusalem will be destroyed, and the church will move from from Israel." And he did. That's not a bad thing because it moved the gospel. That's why we have the gospel today. So don't think don't think that's a bad thing. It was God's way of moving the gospel through the world was persecution. And now it is found in modern-day Turkey back in this time, right after Jesus, the first century church was found in modern-day Turkey, these seven churches, and they wrote letters to those seven churches. And the, and the rest of us came out of them, and so he wrote letters to them. And so Laodicea was there. Laodicea was on a major trade route to the Roman Empire. And, and if you don't know what that means, what it means is, is major trade routes mean that it becomes a very, very affluent place. Culture, just amazing cultural place. A huge, if you look at the stadiums they have, they rival the stadiums we have today in ancient times. Their, their lifestyle was awesome. They had more goods and services that came through Laodicea than just about any other place. Um, in ancient times, it was not unusual to have a 100-square-foot house, <laughs> literally. Okay? Live in a grass hut. I mean, think of tribal people today, and that's how they live. Can I tell you how Laodicea live? Their house sizes are about the size of our houses in modern times. And we always think we're so much more technologically advanced. They had indoor plumbing. Does that tell you? In ancient times. They had hot water that ran into the city. We'll talk about that in just a minute. That They had an aqueduct that sent hot water to their homes. They understood. They were the fashion center of the world. They wore the expensive designer clothes. Now, I know we're not really going to get that. Those of you from Zuna, you're not going to get what we're talking about here. Yeah, I love you, Franklin. Oh, Franklin, it smells so good out in Franklin. You know, <laughs> we don't get it out here in Alabama County. Okay, we just don't. You know, what I mean, but but there's some place that has fashion. You know, what I mean, sometimes we just fashion is so stupid, isn't it? And it was it was kind of dumb and all out to see. But they had goods and services. They had arts. They had everything. Civilization was all about, and they had multiple gods and goddesses. Why? Because they were kind of a liberal place. They were kind of a place that said, hey, we embrace all different types of lifestyle and we're the upper crust and we're better and they actually, there was a lot of snobbery that went on in Laodicea. You get the picture? Because they kind of looked down at other people that weren't as enlightened as they were or didn't have as much good stuff as they did and if you were from other places, you were kind of jealous of them because Laodicea had more. You get the picture? That's who they were. I just want to get you an idea. So Jesus is talking to a church that's there. Anybody ever met a church that's like that? Where there's a little bit of snobbery? Or it's like if you didn't look like them or you didn't act like them, you didn't smell like them, or, or maybe your kids didn't go to the same school because you couldn't afford that or whatever. Um, you ever had that? A little bit like, oh, wow, they're kind of like those kind of you know, name droppers. You know what I mean? Like we, we politicians or whatever. You know, it's just kind of, wow, these are like upper crust type people. It's not us kind of feel. Um, that's who Laodicea was. So, so let's see what Jesus has to say to them. Uh, before I go there, I want to tell you one other thing about them because it's very easy to get caught up with the snobbery and go, I don't think we like them. 
They were strategic plays. It was a strategic place where goods and services flowed to the rest of the world through Asia. It came through Laodicea. And I'll tell you what else it was strategic for? The gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a reason why a letter was written to this church. They had affluence, meaning God blessed them with wealth, not only so the city could be blessed, but so that the gospel could be blessed. See the picture? The roads that Rome built weren't built for the rest of the world. It was built to carry the gospel of Christ. And God planned that. And God strategically looks at Laodicea. And I wanted you to keep that in mind as we talk about it. Okay. Revelation chapter 3 will go on. Here's what it has to say. It says, These are the words of the Amen. Man, he got that kind of backwards. We'll talk about that in a minute. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I like that he says, These are the words of the Amen. You're kind of like, What does that mean? I think that's just what you end prayer with, right? And he's saying, you know that thing you say at the end of your prayer? That's me. That's me. Let it be so. You know who is let it be so? You know who makes it so? Me. That's what Jesus is saying. I am enlarged, I'm in charge, and I'm Jesus. I'm not just the suffering servant. I am the suffering servant. I did die on the cross for your sins, but I have real power, and I am in charge of the church, and it's me who's writing the letter to the church at Laodicea. And I just wanted you to see that. There's all kinds of things you can say there. But that's, that's basically what he's saying. Okay, let's go to the next one. He says, I know your deeds. We've been talking about that the whole series. You know, he said this to every church. How does that make you feel? He says, hey, I know, I know what you've done. Now, how did it make you feel when you were a kid and you got a report card? And now your parents know. They go, hey, you know what? Your report card just came in the mail. I wish then you wish they came in the mail. No, you don't wish they came in the mail, right? It's like, hey, I already got your report card. Can I see it? Oh, by the way, they already called and know what you did. Is that a good feeling or not? <laughs> I'm paying attention, see? Jesus, and this is what we need to know about God and Jesus, and maybe this is something that's good or bad, I don't know, but maybe you've been wondering, is God watching us from a distance? And Alan, I don't know, I can't remember, you weren't here last week, but I got a chance to talk about Bette Midler, and I know you love that song, From a Distance. I could sing it right now for you if you want, Alan. But I won't, I won't. Half the people knew who Bette Midler was. It's okay, Alan, it's okay. But, uh, yeah. From a distance. Okay, I'm done. This is a, you know, this is a this is a live broadcast. <laughs> Everybody's just tuned out. We got the lowest broadcasted ever on one person watch. Thank you for watching, by the way. Appreciate that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but God is not watching us from a distance. That's a nice song. It had a great meaning. I understand what she was trying to do with it. But let me tell you, theology, Jesus is saying, I'm not watching from a distance. I know exactly where you are. I know exactly what's going on in your life. And some of us got to square up with that because you're going, my life ain't going too well, and I don't understand. If you really know what's going on, where are you? And Jesus said, I'm watching. And here's what I see in the church at Laodicea. He says this, I see that you are neither, you, you can underline these, you are neither what? Cold nor hot. And I wish you were either one or the other. I want to kind of explain what that means. Neither cold nor hot. You ever had somebody do that? You ever had a coach come in and they go, you know what, you guys aren't given everything you've got. And maybe that's okay for some people. You know what I mean? You're just kind of average. You ever done it to your kid and you know you got an A student? You know what I'm saying? And, and you look at that report card and you're like, you, you can do better than this. You're, you're just coasting. You know what, you got a B, but you're not a B student. You're not giving what you've got because I know what you have. And you see, what Jesus is saying is he's going, not everybody's graded the same way. Please don't think that in life. They're not. It, that's why comparing is such a bad thing. 
Because as you start to think you're doing better, he's going, I gave you ten talents, not one, and I expect more out of you because that's what I gave you. See, and that's what he gives the students, too. You know, your, your best, you know, the best thing your kid might have got was a D because that's the best they could do, and you knew they gave it all, and you're like, yay, D. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was me. You know, hey, John, I'm so glad you could, you, you could be average. That's awesome. I'm glad you could reach that level. You know, that's okay. That's who you are. But Jesus is going, hey, I know you could do better, but you're not, and you're not really doing the worst. You're doing just enough to get by. And you know what? That's not good enough. That's not good enough. Hey, let me tell you where this analogy comes from, because you may have heard this analogy before, or maybe you know about Laodicea. But what they had in Laodicea was they had an aqueduct that was connected to like a hot spring, from what I understand. And, and they could actually plumb in water to your house, hot water. Can you imagine? In ancient times. But here's what happened to them. They had hot water and cold water, but by the time it got to the houses, here's what happened. You turn it on on the tap, and, and you go to drink. Okay, so let me ask you, when you go to drink, if you, if you go and you get a cup of coffee, right, how many people like hot coffee? Okay, how many people like cold coffee, iced coffee? Okay, there's a few of you, right? How many people like your hot coffee to be room temperature? <laughs> you know what I mean? You go to drink your coffee, and all of a sudden you get a mouthful, and you're like, it's sat for a while, and you're like, oh, you know what I mean? You get the feeling? That's what he's saying. How many like your cold coffee to be lukewarm? You know, it's like, oh, that's not good. That's what he's saying. He goes, that's what you guys are like. That's kind of how you're doing church. You're doing enough to get by. People might think you're okay. I know you're one of the seven churches, but you guys, that's basically what you're doing. You're doing just enough to get by. And here's what I think about that. Let's get to the next verse. Verse 16. So because you are lukewarm, remember I said nobody likes Lukewarm, hot coffee, or any other beverage for that matter. Neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And that how it feels? You ever done that? I've done it with coffee, right? You, you, you go to drink it, and you forgot that it's been sitting there a while, and you drink it, and you're like, mm. you ever done that? And then you don't have a good place to spit it, so you're like, and then it has to swallow it? And then it makes you feel like throwing up? And that's what Jesus, Jesus goes, you know what? You being like that, you know what you make me feel like? You make me sick. You know what I mean? That little effort that you think you're so great. You ever met people like that that make you feel like throwing up? You know what I'm saying? You think you're so great. You are so... You, you, ever, had a, you ever had a teenager? <laughs> right? And they think they're so cool. You know what I mean? And you're like... You just want to knock the chip off their shoulder. You know what I mean? That's kind of Jesus. He's coming there, and I think that's how he's looking at church, and it's like, mm-mm, I'd like to just knock that chip off. You know what? You make me sick when you act like that. And, and you don't pay attention to nobody else, and you think you're so much better, and you're snubbing everybody, and you're doing all that, and you're doing just enough to get by, and you think you're so religious, and you know what? It really makes me sick to myself. That's kind of a tough message, isn't it? It is. All right, let's move forward. Verse 17. You say, I am rich. See, he's getting right down to it. You guys think you're so great. You live in big homes. You've been around a while. And can I tell you, when you say I, you think I'm rich, he ain't talking to the teenagers. See, that's who we're thinking of. You know who he's talking to? He's talking to middle-aged people. That's who he's talking to. Because here's the thing. Once you become middle-aged, a lot of us, not all of us, but some of us, we become a little bit more fluent, right? You've made more money than you ever have, right? You start to get comfortable with who you are. You're kind of proud of your home and proud of your stuff, and, and you got your Christmas decor. You, know, you get the idea? That's what he's talking to, just so you know. You say you're rich. I'm rich. I'm better than those. I'm doing pretty good. I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. You pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps, have you? (laughs) But you do not realize 
I want you to underline some of these. You do not realize that you are wretched. Underline that. Anybody want to underline that? I don't think I like this. <laughs> you are wretched. <laughs> you are pitiful. You are poor. You are blind. And you are naked. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you're asking the Christmas card. Wouldn't you love to send a Christmas card like that to the church you're thinking of right now like I am? Can I tell you something? You guys think you're so great, but here's what Jesus thinks. I just wanted to share with you my life's verse. Revelation 3.17. Can you imagine? And then, please look this up. This is what I think of you. <laughs> awesome. Put that on your Christmas card. They won't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wouldn't it be funny? just want to say Merry Christmas. This is what I've been thinking about you the whole time. Okay. So, not just me, Jesus. <laughs> okay, all right, you got me. <laughs> here's, here's what he's saying. Here, here's what, exactly what he's saying to them. He goes, you think you're rich, and you are. You have worldly wealth. So I want to pick up on some of this imagery because I think it's very important. Here's what he's saying to them. He goes, you have earthly wealth. I see it. There's nothing wrong with that. Can, can I tell you something today, and I want you to say this to the person next to you, there is nothing wrong with having possession. There is nothing wrong with having wealth. And i got to tell you that there's people that actually think that because you're rich, you're wrong. That is not what Jesus is saying. In fact, Jesus is saying the exact opposite. I want you to be rich, but you're not. You think you are, but you're not, because what you have valued is not what really needs to be valued. And I'm totally fine with your earthly wealth. You know why I'm totally fine with your earthly wealth? Because here's what i got to tell you. When you criticize wealth, let me tell you what you're doing. You're criticizing God. Because he gave Laodicea wealth for a reason. But you're not. You know what you are? You're wretched. You're pitiful. You're poor. They're going, what? You're poor? We're not poor. We're wealthier than anybody on the planet. I tell you something. You live in the United States of America, you're richer than most of the people on the planet. I can guarantee you that. If you've been to the third world country, you realize we don't have any poverty here. We have a distribution of resource problem. You know what I mean? We can't get enough resources to the people. We trip over each other to help people, make sure people, you get the idea? I'm not saying there's no poverty in this country, but I'm just saying when you go to another country, you'll see very quickly what real poverty looks like. And so let me tell you something. If you're sitting, you live in a house, and you got hot water and running water, and you got more than two sets of clothes, you're wealthier than most of the people on the entire planet. And Jesus is saying, that's you. But you're not rich. You know what you are? You're poor. You're poor. It, not only are you poor, but you're blind. You don't even know it. You don't even see what's of value. You don't realize what's going on. And that's funny wordplay for them because Laodicea was known for a special salve that you put on your eyes. Did you know that? Laodicea was known that you go to Laodicea if you were blind and they could possibly help you with your sight because they had a medication that was known for that area to put that salve on and you would be seeing. And he's going, he's doing a word play here, and he's going, you say you're rich, but you're not, you're poor. You say you have healing for the eyes, but I say you're spiritually blind. Because you're, you're trusting in all this stuff and you're naked. <laughs> what? In that time, well, not just in that time, in our time, that would be a, that would be a, a humiliation, right? You have nothing. A poor person wouldn't have any clothing. And you're going, Laodicea, we wear designer clothes. They were known for a special type of wool in Laodicea. It was a black wool that they had there that they produced that no other part of the world did. And they sent it all over the Roman Empire. They got high dollar for the clothes. And everybody in Laodicea wore black wool in the winter. The absolutely designer for, for ancient times. Get it? And Jesus is saying, but you're naked. Because you don't get it. You don't get what this is all about. You're not paying attention. All right, get to the next one. Verse 18, I counsel you. Can you underline this part for me, please? 
I counsel you. Can I tell you what this doesn't say? That I've heard a lot of messages. I've heard. I, I, I don't want you to raise your hand because I don't want to put anybody on the spot. I don't know how many messages you've heard on Laodicea. But can I tell you what I've mostly heard about Laodicea? God hates them. Don't be like Laodicea because God hates you. That's not true. Because what he's saying to them is, I want to give you some counsel. I pointed these things out, and we say it some in jest, but, but the truth is, I care about you, and I wouldn't give counsel to somebody. You know what I do to somebody I don't care about? I just judge you and be done with you. That's not what he's doing. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, something that's of real value. Value me, see, more than you do your wealth, so that you can become rich in, in white clothes to wear. That means purity of spirit, so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and, and the soft to put on your eyes. See, that's what he's saying right here. See you got the medication there. I'm talking about spiritual medication. I'm talking about spiritual clothes. I'm talking about wrapping you in white. I'm talking about giving you the life that you really need to put on your eyes so that you can see. So you guys, you've been blinded because you're focused on the wrong thing. You, you, you've kind of shifted from focusing on Jesus to focusing on comfort. Get it? And your comforts have become more important than Jesus. And you live in a polytheistic society, which means a society of so many gods and you're worshiping those gods, but you stop worshiping me. And I want you to get it back. I want to counsel you. Don't put your, you know, those things are fine. I gave them to you. Nothing wrong with having wealth. You hear me? But, but here's what I want to say. When it's got you, and that becomes more important to me, and that becomes your God, and I don't, that's not good. It's not good. Okay, verse 19. Those whom I love. Do you know that? Whom I love. You know why nobody gets to hear the message of Laodicea? Because they think God hates them. Anybody want to be the rich snob? It's a little hard to admit. And plus, plus I tell you this. Jesus loves you. And this might take some of the edge off the message so that you can actually hear it. That if you find yourself with some of these traits, it's okay. Because Jesus loves you. That Jesus loves the church at Laodicea. And he says this, those whom I love, I rebuke. Those whom I love, I correct. Okay? Because if I don't love you, there's no need to correct you. If I'm just going to fire you, can I say something about firing somebody? You don't have to give them a lot of counsel. Just fire them and get them out. I'm trying to help you. I want you here. I want you parked. I love you. And the person I rebuke, I also discipline. See? So So be earnest and repent. And I know some of us, because of earthly parents and stuff, we, we get this all mixed up because we go, it's going to hurt me We're a lot worse than it does you. Isn't that what it kind of sounds like? Does it remind you of that? And it's like, I don't think so. You know what I mean? Or, or that's not what your parents' intentions were. So you've never had someone that loved you and gave you criticism. It was always harsh. It was always hard. And I go, that's not what Jesus is doing here at all. You, you see, I think he's explaining that to them because he's going, what you're going to hear and maybe some of this message series you've heard, and as we wrap up this message series, I want to be very, very careful because here's what I know. It's easy in a message series like this to say, oh, man, you're just pounding me, you're pounding me, and, and to miss this part. Let me, let me tell you why they got it in their society. They had an emperor, Domitian, who was a horrible, awful person. They were used to harsh, dictator, 
And so when Jesus says, I am the amen, I am large and I'm in charge, you're thinking, that means harsh, that means horrible, that means somebody that I have to do what you say, not because I agree with you, because if I don't, you'll kill me and my family. By the way, Domitian was found a fraud and he was ended up executed. I don't know if you knew that about Domitian. And Jesus knew that, and he's going, hey, that's not who I want you to put your trust in. You know why I want you to follow me? You know why I'm giving you this correction? You know why I'm telling you things you don't want to hear? Because I love you. Have you ever had somebody do that? Or they told you the thing that you went, I wish you hadn't said that. Everything in me makes me so mad you said that, but it was that pivotal point that changed your life. Hey, it's the greatest gift of all. Because had I kept going down that road, what would have happened? Anybody had that happen? Or somebody came alongside and they hit that nerve and it's like it made you so mad at them. And Jesus is saying, I know right now because of what I just said, I know you're so mad at me. I know you didn't like me calling you those names. But you're missing out on what I have. This is coming from love. Maybe you've never had anybody do this before in your whole life. All right, let's get to the next one. Let's see what he has to say. Verse, verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. Maybe you didn't know this is where this verse came from. Can I tell you how much Jesus loves the church at Laodicea? He loved them enough that the verse that we use mostly for the plan of salvation, maybe you never read where it came from. (laughs) Maybe you've only heard this verse as it related to us as a sinner and didn't realize he's talking to a church that's going, you're missing out on me. You like church. See? You like gatherings. The church at Laodicea gathered all the time, and you know what they were doing to Jesus is saying? You're locking me out. You love to have comfort. You love to have all these things. And the thing that's missing from your church, you know what it is? Hey. And I'm knocking at the door going, hey, you know what's missing today in your life? You got all the comforts. You got Christmas covered. I'm knocking at the door. He's banging on the door. You ever had an argument with your spouse? Let me in, please. You know what I mean? Not abusive. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when it's, please don't shut me out. I'm here. I'm knocking. I want to know you. You've locked me out. If anyone hears my voice, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. You see, you've been wrapped up in your comforts. You've been wrapped up in your way of doing things. You've been wrapped up in getting along in in high society and all those things, but you're missing me. And you know what he's doing here? He's making the big gesture. You know what I'm talking about, about a big gesture? You ever made a big gesture? When you when you tell the other person you love them before they tell you, not knowing what they'll say, and Jesus is saying the door is shut. Now, I could kick the door in if I wanted to. I'm Jesus. I just told you who I am, but I won't. But I want to be with you. I know you did these things. And I told you that because I love you. But here's what I want. I want you to get a proper perspective and realize what this is all about. And you fell in love with it. It was at the master's table, but you're missing the master. You see, you love Christmas, but you're missing the Christ. And he's better than all of that stuff. 
Because all of that stuff will go away, and you put your faith and trust. And I loved reading Facebook posts, but I read one the other day, and it caught me off guard, and it said, this is going to be the best year ever. And my question to that is, is I go, how do you know that? As a pastor, let me tell you something. You don't. I just found out a friend of mine, she's got diagnosed with cancer this week. A bad cancer. I mean, like the aggressive kind, 52 weeks of chemotherapy. I'm sorry, that doesn't sound like the best week year ever. I'm happy for that. You don't know what this year holds. So trust me when Jesus is saying, you got all this wealth and it can be taken away. Anybody had that happen? Anybody had your job go away? Anybody had your 401k go down to a 101k? I mean, come on, right? It changes. So he's going, hey, you don't need all that stuff. You know what you need? You need me. Because you know what I know? You know what I know when I fell in love with my wife? Because it didn't matter what was at the table. It didn't matter what, was, what we ate. But when she's at the table, best table ever. You ever had that? It's like the cheapest meal with the most best. And Jesus is saying, that's what I want you to see, because you're missing out. And let me tell you what I want to give you, okay? The greatest gift that there is, verse 21. To the one who is victorious. That's himself, by the way. I am victorious, and if you find yourself in me, if you open up the door, I will come in, and I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne. Have you read this before? The throne of Jesus. You know what he sits on? He sits on the great white throne. And I give you the right to come up there and sit with me. All power, all control. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Is that power? Can you think of a better gift? He says, you think you're rich. You're playing around with stuff in this world that will be here today and gone tomorrow. And the older we get, the more we know that, right? I hope my health holds out. Can I tell you something? It won't. I hope my wealth holds out. Can I tell you, it won't. I hope the economy gets better. It won't. Eventually it goes away. And even if it don't, you die and leave it to who? And Jesus is saying this. He's saying, but if you put your full faith and trust in me, then here's what will happen. Okay? I'll let you sit on my throne. That's all power. I will be with you. I don't want to just be God from a distance. I want to be God that sits at the table with you of life. And even when it seems like your boat is sinking, you know what you got? Jesus. Is there anything better than that? And he's the one making the big gesture. He's going, hey, I'm not going to force you, but would you let me in? I know we've been at odds, but would you let me in? I love you. I can't think of anything better. All right, final verse, verse 22. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He's saying, can you hear me? Can you hear me? What's going on? What's the most important thing in your life? That's how we want to wrap the series up. It's the most important thing in your life. I want to give you the greatest gift of God to this church and to anyone that will open the door for him. And here's how I think it has to work. Take this series, take these letters, take this stuff, and evaluate it. So I want you to do that. As you prepare for Christmas, I can't think of a better gift than to say, hey, do I have this? 
I, I can't think of a better gift this Christmas than to say, hey, could we evaluate where we're at? I can't think of something better as you face 2016 than to say, where am I in this? Now, now, let me just tell you something. The church at Laodicea, the hardest part for me about this church is, is I think I'm the least like this church. In some ways, I'm the most like this church. I, I don't like snobby people. I never have. And I especially despise it in the church. Do you? <laughs> so when we made this church, i got to tell you, I've done so many things wrong, but there's one thing that I promise you will never change as long as I'm the pastor here. I can't say that about most things, because I'll change most anything. But I can't stand that. Or somebody has to come in and feel like lesser than. You know? Never have liked it. That's never been what this church is about. And people that are like that do not feel comfortable here. I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. But it's just who I am. Because I've seen so much of it. I I hate it. So I'm glad we're not that. But here's the problem. You know you can be just as judgmental (laughs) about the people that are snobby. I can't stand them, so I end up becoming them because you can't stand them. It's kind of like the the French Revolution where now all of a sudden it's not popular to be the royalty and then you're killing them off and now it's just you and now you realize, I'm sorry, I'm just like them. We can be that. Here's the problem. We're all like this to a point. You know, I don't like them because I'm like them. I'll never say that, right? Here's what I know. You have to be very careful here. And here's what happens. Man, you really got it. I know who needs this. Right? That's what I'm thinking. I know what church needs this. You know what? I need to package this up and send it to them. Let's get them a CD and give it to them because they need to change this. Maybe. But here's what I want you to do with the church at layout to see it in this letter. Don't judge them. Learn from them. Can we do that? Can we learn from the church at Laodicea instead of judging them? Because Jesus didn't give us this letter to judge them. And by the way, be careful of judging what Jesus loves. There is a judge, and it ain't us. Be careful criticizing other churches. Be careful criticizing other Christians. If you've got a critical spirit, you're going to need to get that in check, because Jesus is saying, there is a judge, and it ain't you. Okay? Same with me. you got enough to work on. And instead... Take what you learn from them and apply it to your life. And I don't know which piece this applies, but here's what I want you to do. Before now and Christmas, between now and Christmas, I want you to make a couple of commitments, and one is this, that you will evaluate yourself. I'm going to give you five questions today, and I want you to write these down, and I want you to think about, honestly. Does this fit me? Okay? It it doesn't get real, because if you don't put wheels on this, let me tell you what happens. You know what happens? Nothing. You know what happens? Great job, Pastor John. And we move on to the next thing, and we never help. It never helps us. Don't criticize me. You better not say anything to me. Get it? You know, I'm not criticizing you. I want you to evaluate yourself. Okay. So here you go. Number one. Number one. I can't see the back screen. <laughs> Is your relationship with Jesus cold, lukewarm, or hot? Yourself. You 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 think about it. Is he the most important? Am I cold? Have I actually gotten down to some of these other letters we talked about where I'm living a life of debauchery? And you'll know if you're cold, right? That's pretty easy. Am I hot for God? Am I I passionate about Jesus? Or am I just lukewarm? Am I doing just enough to get by? Or is there areas of my life where I'm just doing enough to get by? That's the first question. Get the picture? And I want you to answer that by yourself. Number two, this is a tough one. 
is, is our church, and I put our names just so you're not thinking of other churches, New Branch Community Church, if that's your church or whatever church you're part of, cold, lukewarm, or hot? I say I don't like being evaluated. <laughs> but then I'm not in charge of them. So we have to evaluate. How are we doing? And I want you to look at it through two lenses. What are the areas we need to work on here at this church? What are the areas you need to pray about? What are the areas you need to communicate to us? You know what? We're getting cold here. You know what? We're getting lukewarm here. You know what? We've been lukewarm here for a while. One time we were hot, now we're lukewarm. One time we were cold, now we're a little bit better. You know, I don't know. Evaluate. The other thing I want you to evaluate is how's your participation in it? Is it lukewarm or cold because you are? Or are you doing just enough to get by? Where, where is it at for you? Okay. Number three. What things keep you passionate or hot for God? Or you use his terminology, hot. You know what I mean? So you think about that in your marriage, and you go, what are the things, what are the deposits that I get in my life that go, hey, this is, this is what, I, you know, when, when I think about this, it brings romance, it, brings, it, it just makes my marriage so awesome. What is the thing for the other person in your marriage to get that picture? And, and so, so let me ask you a question. What is the time that you spend with God that you feel passionate? You're going to do what you're passionate about, not what you're supposed to do. Okay? Discipline only lasts so long. Okay? So let me ask you, not only that, but God doesn't really want you to do it drudgingly. Did you get a picture? He wants to come in and eat with you. That's not somebody he wants. He wants to hang out with you. He's not something to be studied. He's somebody to hang out with. He's somebody to include in your life, and that's what he wants. He wants to be part. So let me ask you a question. Where do you go? And what do you do where you feel close to God? Is it, is it sitting in a room locked up and reading your Bible? Maybe it is. Is it out in nature listening to the Bible and getting alone with God? Is it walking on the beach and just sitting there and listening to Him? What is it you haven't done for a long time that maybe that's why you're lukewarm because you haven't cultivated a relationship with God? Think about that. How much time do you spend with Him? If you do, if you do great. Then, then don't, don't feel bad about it. But if you don't, think about what do I got to do to get that back because maybe that's why some of the passion is dying a little bit. That's, that's a great question. Number four. What comforts are keeping you from Christ? <laughs> you know what I mean? What material things are keeping you from God? What is it? Here's what God is asking. He's going, let me ask you, Leon, to see it. You're working so hard to impress people that you don't even know with things you, you don't need to impress people you don't know. That's what you're giving your life to. Is that, that good? we got to keep up with the Kardashians. Why? You know, who wants to, right? <laughs> Who cares? But we do, right? And we got other things. So guys, just don't think we're picking on them. Cabela's. Oh. North Face. Okay, instead of Columbia. I know the difference. I know the difference anyway. I don't know if you do, but when I'm skiing, I know the difference when I wear North Face. It's awesome. Yeah. Or when you shoot certain guns or certain dogs or certain houses. Yeah, you get a picture. It's like, what is that about? And he's going, hey, is there any comforts not that you can't have things. Understand, he's talking about passion and enjoying life. Nothing wrong with enjoying life, but when it has you, what is it you're trying to maintain? And it's like, I would serve God, but my lifestyle. That's what he's saying. And now he's saying, then let me tell you what you're doing. You're shutting the door on me, and I'm knocking, and I'm saying, hey, you know what? Real joy isn't found in that stuff that's found in me. You know what doesn't solve consumerism? More stuff. So if you're thinking, when I get that, I'm going to be happy, get out of that, please. Downsize. But if I change that, then we won't have what? What is it you need more than God? <laughs> let, me, let me say it differently. This is going to be hard. Who is it you need more than God? Maybe you have some unhealthy relationships 
that before this Christmas you need to resolve. Maybe you have some unhealthy relationships that before this new year, or going into this new year, you're going to need to get some counsel that goes, you know what, this is unhealthy. This is not serving God. We're not going forward with God. What do we need to do? Okay. I didn't say they'd be easy questions, did I? But what it produces, trust me when I tell you, it gives you the best thing in life. You know, the greatest day of my life was the day I learned, you know what, I don't need that anymore. Well, what's going to happen to you? I don't know, but we're not going there. Now, that was because the credit card company said you're not going to get any more. <laughs> okay? You don't have to wait for that, by the way. I wish I had done that a long time. I could have been so much better off if I'd done it when I didn't have to do it in the midst of a crisis. And Jesus is saying, stop waiting for the crisis. You can do it now and have what I want for your life. Number five, what parts of your life lack any sense of urgency? That's what I'm talking about. You know when we're urgent? When it's a crisis. You know when it's too late? When it's a crisis. You know when it's too late to get into the Word of God to find out what He needs in your life is when you're in the midst of a crisis. Now, He'll help you, right? But it's too late to go, you know what, I need to change my life so this, I'll avoid this crisis. I'm sorry, it's a little late after you hit the iceberg, Titanic. You know what I mean? Now, we will help you, but you're going to be in a lifeboat. <laughs> and He'll help you, and He's there, and He'll open the door then. But you know what He's saying? He's going, hey, why do we have to wait for that? Let's have the sense of urgency now and start to change those things now. But we know what we have to do in order for that to happen. You've got to think like it's then, now. You've got to look down the path and go, the path I'm on leads to a specific destination that's predictable, and now I could change it by God. I could change it. If I let Jesus into my life, what would he change? If I talked to Jesus, what would he change? And you know what it's going to take? Some evaluating. So I want you to evaluate these three things, these five things. This is the greatest gift. I can tell you, this is the Christmas message. Because if you got this, this would be the greatest gift of them all. Because all those things we hold on to and we think are so dear to us, if we would let some of those go and hold on to Jesus, let me tell you something, your life, you would have more joy. If I could tell you how to have joy in life, wouldn't you want it? If I could tell you how to cut out most of the material things and have the greatest joy of them all, wouldn't you want it? And what if you could give that to your kids and their kids' kids? That's what Jesus is offering. And he said, hey, I'll have, in fact, I'll do better than that. I'll let you come. I would never say this. I'm like, are you crazy? Jesus, I'll let you come and sit on my throne with me. <laughs> Is there anything better than sitting on the God of the universe's throne with him? How does that work? Open the door and see what Jesus will do. How do you do it? Evaluate. How am I doing with these things? Because you know what? If you don't know where you're going, it really don't matter much how you get there, right? But let me tell you something. If you know where you want to go and you don't know where you are, hello. <laughs> where are you at on the map? So here's what I want you to do, okay? I'm going to give you three practical things, okay, to put some wheels on this, okay? Because I'm telling you, you can't just be done. This is not an easy journey. This is, this is a long haul. This is prepare to go on the journey type stuff. You know, you get out there on the trail and you don't have stuff, and go watch Everest and find out what happens if you're not prepared. You'll get blown off the mountain. Okay. So, number one, and some of you have been blown off the mountain of life, so you get it, so you're going to want to pay attention to this, okay? So, number one, evaluate yourself. And I gave you something that I think would be a great gift. It's from Pastor Jim Wall. Um, he wrote a thing called the Christian Maturity Assessment Tool. Several questions. You just sit down and you fill out this questionnaire. Yeah, I ain't got time for that. Okay. Come back and see me when it's a crisis. Okay. Come back and see me when your wildlife is wrecked. When you got an opportunity right now to evaluate and do something about it. You want to do something about it now or you want to wait? 
I did that with finances. Almost went bankrupt. Almost uh, foreclosed on my house. I can tell you, it's better to do it now if you can. <laughs> Just a thought. These are the real things. They'll ask a series of questions. Just be honest about it. Here's the thing: the numbers really don't matter. You know what you're really looking for? You're looking for a trend. And here's what I, here's what we know about this assessment after doing it for years: was that the more mature you are in the faith, the lower number you'll have to see. The less mature you are, the higher number you'll have because you're going to want to lie. Hey, it's okay. We, we get it. It's not about that. You know what it's about? It's about finding out, what am, I, what am I doing good at? What am I not? That's all we're talking about. This is not for somebody else. This is for you. Okay? So, so don't lie about it. Just be honest. This is really where I'm at. I really think I am a five. That's fine. Okay? That's number one. Fill out this assessment between now and the first of the year. You want to do something for the new year? Perfect. You want to do something for Christmas? Perfect. Do this. Number two. Get an accountability partner. And this is where the road meets the road. Somebody that really knows you, share this with them. And there's a, there's a place on there where they can take yours, you can make a copy of it or whatever, and then they get to fill out what they think of you. They can see if they agree with your assessment of yourself. Well, I don't have anybody like that. Well, there's goal number one. You need to get somebody like that. And if you're thinking of me, you're a very sad person. Okay? I'm serious. There are some people, I need to go to the pastor, the, the guy that's in charge, the big one. Let me say something. I have a role of leadership in this church. I am not the person you want to see. If you got to know me, you probably wouldn't like me. Okay? If you only know me from up here on the stage, you wouldn't like me. <laughs> I'm so messed up, you would not want to see mine. All right? And so are you. And you need somebody in your life that could be there day after day. You got somebody like that? I'm not talking about not somebody for somebody of the same sex. Okay? You got the idea? Do not, men and women, it, 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 well, it's my wife. That's the worst thing I can think of. Don't you do that. Okay? They got enough faith. They do not need to be your evaluator. Okay? That's who you got. That's all. Well, I just got them. That's all I need. And, and they're going to thank me for this. No. You need some godly men in your life. Ladies, you need some godly women in your life. And if you don't have that, let me tell you something. It's the hardest thing in the world to do, but it is worth it. Okay? And it is Fully biblical. Trust me. It's the greatest gift you'll give yourself. Let somebody else do it, and you're going to feel so uncomfortable doing this, and you're going to find out they're going to tell you some things you do well that you didn't even know you did. And they're going to be encouraging and helpful and all those things. If you need help getting that, that's why you need to be in a community group. You'll get to know some people, and you'll find somebody that you feel comfortable enough sharing this with. It'll be absolutely awesome. Between now and the first year, you're going to hear more about this as we go. Okay? So find that. And then number three, here's what I want you to do. Would you pray? We cannot do this without prayer. I'll tell you something. As we, as we end this series, here, here's the saddest thing that, 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 that could happen to this church. So we would end this series and go, you know what, we got a great strategic plan from Jesus for this church. You know what, Jesus, we can take it from here. And he's going, you, you know what's missing in your church? <laughs> Jesus. Can I say what doesn't work without Jesus? The church. Please don't do that, right? You know what doesn't work in your life without, without Jesus? And the problem is we get great plans, and you're going to sit down, and you're going to come up with a list of goals for the new year, and then you're going to leave Jesus out of it. Wouldn't that be horrible, right? So what I want you to do is I want you to evaluate yourself. Be honest with yourself, okay? Find somebody that you really trust as a spiritual authority in your life. You don't know them. Start to get to know somebody well enough, and it may take you some time, okay? Don't just share this stuff with anybody. Cause they'll go out and tell your stuff, okay? You don't want that. Serious. All right, you tell my stuff, we're going to have a problem. This <laughs> is personal. you got to be honest here. you got to have somebody you trust. If you don't have somebody you trust, you're going to have to rebuild trust. It might take you a couple months to get there. 
But start going down that path. And let me tell you something. If you're not willing to start this process, don't fool yourself. You're never going to get here. I tell you, lukewarm. Jesus ain't there. If you ain't willing to let people in your life and be part of the church, Jesus said, you know what, I got all the gifts you need. You know what I did? I dispersed them within the church. So you don't have what you need because somebody else has what you need. And you have what somebody else needs. So if you know what it's like, here's what it's like. And at this time of year, I understand. You start baking cookies. Oh, y'all like Christmas cookies? It's awesome. You know what's not good about Christmas cookies is when somebody forgets to put sugar in them. Somebody put, forgets to put flour in them. When you forget an ingredient, it don't work. You know what? You don't work without other people in your life. You can lie to yourself all you want, and you can say, I'm a Christ follower without being part of the church, and he goes, really? It's impossible. You can't be. You need other people, so don't stop at self-evaluation. Get to know somebody. Let them help you. And in 21 days, we're going to fast and pray starting on January 1st. I like you to commit to that. That doesn't mean stopping eating for 21 days. It means for 21 days, starting January 1st. Okay? We're not going to wait until uh, Lent this year. We're going to start early. We're going to start this new year off, and we're going to say, hey, what am I willing to do to, to get close to God? How is this church willing to come together? And if we don't do anything else this year, I guarantee you this is going to change and revolutionize the life of this church as we humbly seek God. Anybody think Jesus won't show up? Can I tell you something? It ain't us knocking at the door. It's Jesus. Somebody needed to hear that today. You see, you thought you're calling out to God. You're crying out to God. You need God. And God is going, I'm right here. I'm the one knocking at the door. I'm the one making the big gesture. If you only open the door, I will come in. And I will eat with you. I will sit down with you. I will be in your life. I will hear about everything you have. I'll bring the greatest joy, which is me. It's not what's at the table. It's who's at the table, and it's him. And then he goes, I will elevate you to a place where you will come and you will sit on my throne. You want that? Merry Christmas. <laughs> right? That's the most awesome thing of all. Let's stand, let's stand for prayer. Father, I thank you for your letters. There could not have been any better letters in the world. And I know during the life of this series, Lord, it has been the hardest thing in the world. I don't know why, Lord. It's been the hardest thing in the world for me to preach. I kind of did because I struggle with a lot of this. I also struggle saying some of the things you said. But we are seeing more life change during this series than any other time in the life of this church, I believe. And I believe what it's going to produce would be great if we would actually do it. So I pray, God, give us the intestinal fortitude to to actually open up ourselves. The first step, really, is just admitting, you know what, I'm struggling here, but I'm doing good here. Maybe, Lord, we wouldn't have to be so afraid. And you sit there with us, and you help guide us through that, and you help guide us to a person that we get in relationship with, and we find, Lord, what we really needed was, was in relationship, and now all of a sudden our life is, is it, it, wow. What would that be like if we all did that? And then we started the first of the year all fasting, praying together for each other, for the life of this church, for unsaved people. Lord, what could you do with a church like that? I don't know, but I want to find out. But God, I thank you for Christmas. I pray this is the greatest gift of them all. And for the person that's here today and they're going, you know what, I don't even know Jesus. I shut the door so hard. I bolted it so hard. Maybe it's time, Lord, that they crack the door just a little bit and look out that door and see the eyes of Jesus. I'm not even asking them to open the door. You know what I'm asking them? Just open that door a little bit and, and look out that door, and you see Jesus. And when you see him, I promise you, I promise you, you'll open that door. And you'll never want to go back. <laughs> you'll never want to go back to your old life. Ever. God, make it so. You're the amen. 
<laughs> so amen, Lord. We pray this, that you receive all the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Guys, if you need prayer today, we'll be here after the service for everybody else. God bless you. Don't forget, we're wrapping gifts after second service today.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.